This is Paul. And this is Tim. So, we're a week after ManCon, where, you know, each year we gather in the mountains of uh, Missouri, gather around the sacred waters of Table Rock Lake, and one of our number didn't make it back. I, uh, this year it was Wayne. Uh, and Paul, you know, we saw the two of y'all walk off into the forest together. We only saw one of you walk back, so I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm just saying you might have murdered Wayne. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, was I supposed to deny it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, we are recording, Paul. I mean, you know. No, that'll let it right out. (laughs) Just like words. (laughs) I've edited him out of existence. Yeah, four podcasters enter, three podcasters leave. So, I don't know about you guys, but I was having gaming withdrawal all week long. I, 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 we, we played uh, six fantastic games. Uh, you know, we, we, we ran, I guess, 11 games in total uh, in, over our two days of gaming at ManCon. And, and you know, so you, each person has an opportunity to be in six slots. And I gotta tell you, I loved every game I played in. Every game. <laughs> I sort of feel like we need another day. <laughs> like, exactly. like, yeah. Maybe we get like two hours in between slots so we can take a nice nap every time. Yeah. <laughs> that would be welcome, wouldn't it? <laughs> a I little mean, bit. It, it would almost be worth ending the day at 4 a.m. <laughs> Just so we can build some time in for napping. Because uh, I want to nap time. That's right. Well, you know, by the time you get to, to the end of the, the, the last day, I mean – just hammered, just you know, beat dog tired. You're, you've had a, you had a great time, but just beat dog tired. But uh, we recorded some excellent audio uh, for you guys that we'll be releasing. I think first step that we're going to release is uh, Thistledown John's Far Trek game, which is a uh, original series Star Trek styled role playing game, uh, and it was a blast and a half. So once we've got that edited, it will be up on the feed uh, probably in a week or two. I'm very excited to hear that because I did not play in that game. I was playing in Tim's Batman themed game, right? And that was that was hella fun. Uh, we had a good time. I was uh, I was Tim Drake, you know the, the the second best Robin. You seem like a Tim Drake. I seem like it, that, and that's what I thought too. Uh-huh, Plus, yeah. Nightwing was already called uh-huh. by the time I got there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Wayne- he, I, I mean, Wayne wore the Nightwing shirt. Another reason to murder him. <laughs> <laughs> if I were to be so inclined. Uh, <laughs> I, I must admit, I've never seen Paul more animated at a gaming table than when he had the ultimate weapon. Second second day. Yes, and so uh, we played this Empire Earth, uh, Aaron's homegrown Savage Worlds uh, setting, uh, and... Apparently, we didn't release last year's session, but we do have previous This Empire Earth information on ideologyofmadness.com, um, and that was just a blast. I played a uh, a, a and what did what was my race called? I mean, I was just like a you, know, you, was a you played the Amb- oh you played the Ambreden, right? No, I played the chimp. Oh, the chimp, just just the the augmented uplifted chimpanzee. Yes. So yeah, we it was a great time. I I I, uh, I, I enjoyed the. Uh, the, all, all of the hooting and the hollering. Uh, Scotty Bonner ran a an I, an Irish mafia uh, game set in Prohibition, St. Louis, and I, I think a lot and of brought his own beer. He yeah. brought his own Irish stout to uh, to drink along with the game. Yeah, which I mean, serious props, serious yeah. props. Uh, I, I just everything that I played in uh, was just fantastic. I, I, I couldn't have asked for a nicer weekend. We had some terrific weather, and uh, uh, ManCon was great. You know, I, I heard some comments that, uh, you know, we should have a, a third cabin so we can bring more people. But I like I like uh, Tim's suggestion, we should add a third day. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think that might be the answer. I like that, too. <laughs> With some built-in structured nap time. <laughs> <laughs> more more naps. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I had a great time too, just to echo what you guys said. And uh it you know, it's one of the highlights of my year and it's it's goddamn sad it's fifty one weeks to go. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, absolutely. I, I, I it's something that I that I just deeply look forward to and anticipate and then when it's gone it's just you know, it's like watching your girlfriend go home after, you know, go back to school after summer break. It's just, 
you know, you guys are my girlfriend. That's what I'm saying. Oh, we're your summertime love. It's just right. Summer loving. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not doing it. It's Paul's role to do the rest of it. We all know that. <laughs> Paul and I have matching leather jackets. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and business cards. That's dicks. right. That's right. <laughs> Well, hey, last night I went to the Scotch Malt Whiskey Society's Whiskey Extravaganza here in Dallas. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys recall, but when I was in Chicago at the end of last year attending one of those events, I was fortunate enough to be able to record the Glenfiddich Masterclass. Well, last night I got to record the uh, Highland Park Masterclass, which was fantastic. And I'll be releasing that to the feed probably within the next week or so as well. Uh, I, I, I'm just really happy with, with how that audio turned out and uh, got to meet uh, Steph Ridgeway, who's the brand ambassador for Highland Park. And she was just fantastic, gave a terrific discussion on pairing craft beer with uh, Highland Park single malt. It was mm, really nice. And I was sitting there the whole time. I mean, uh, Mark from Three Beers and a Scotch went with me. He and I were just sitting there nodding great big smiles on her face through, through the whole thing because the pairings were just amazing. So, so Aaron. Sir. Did you get a lot drunk or did oh, you get a lot, lot drunk? I, I, got, I, got, really, <laughs> I got really hammered. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the wife drove us there and picked us up. So uh, I got to be irresponsibly drunk last night. <laughs> and if I figured, you, I figured your liver would have had enough last weekend. That was like, you know, Aaron. No, no, I had to, I had to turn it up a notch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so it's like CrossFit for your liver. I, I got to, it. I had to kick it up. I had to kick it up. <laughs> you know, if your liver is not cirrhotic, you're not doing it right. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we had a good time. We had a good time. So, anyway, that will be coming uh, soon. So, while you were at that whiskey thing last night, Extravaganza. Went, it was an extravaganza, Paul. The whiskey extravaganza. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I was at the Lunatic Luau, which is a, a local concert. Uh, what is a uh, Like a, a local festival, concert festival. Um started, I think, around noon. I got there around 3 o'clock because I didn't care about the, the first couple of bands. But I mean, it was Wait, wait. I, lo- I love I love the story already. Aaron, what, what bands do you think you went to see? Well, I think there was, uh, 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 see, I, I want to say uh, perhaps uh, Debbie, what's her name? Debbie, Debbie. Uh, Debbie Gibson? Yes, thank you. Debbie oh. Gibson. They, I think that it was probably all, you know, former teen pop stars. Oh, okay. You know, I wish because that's what Paul. He's got all those posters inside of his locker. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with my seventeen magazine. Oh, yeah, it, you know, a little Sean Cassidy going on. You know, <laughs> Sean Cassidy, <laughs> Rebecca Black. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was uh, it was like a hard rock concert. So there were bands like Five Finger Death Punch, A Ghost, uh, P.O.D., Trivium. Um, I was there to see Bush. The band. Oh, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. (laughs) That's the reason why I go to those things. Particularly the reason why I go to Lilith Fair. So. Oh, God. Now, is it called? You're already in Mancon form right now. (laughs) I know. Now, is it called uh, the Lunatic Luau because May is Mental Health Month? Exactly. I think that's exactly what it is. And, um, you know, so I, of course, you know, I walk in and I don't go to concerts very much anymore um, because I'm old Uh and going to concerts just reminds me of that because, you know, I'm standing uh, around and it's it's I brought a hoodie because it was kind of chilly when we first got there. And, you know, I I, it it warmed up. So I took off my hoodie and wrapped it around my waist like I'm, you know, old. Uh And uh, some guy walks up to me and he starts asking me questions. He's like, hey, man, uh, where do I get the margaritas? I'm like, I don't I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> he's like, oh, he's like, don't you work here? I'm like, no, not at all. Are you somebody's like, you... dad? <laughs> and then he tries to convince me. He's like, you look like you work here. I'm like, in what way do I look like I work here? He's like, well, you got the saddle and shit around your waist. I'm like, it's a hoodie. <laughs> I mean, it was so bad. It was so bad. <laughs> that is too bad. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure it was like, who brought their dad to yeah, the concert? Exactly. Who brought their dad? <laughs> yeah, that was me. That was I was I was not someone's dad, 
but I'm sure that was the well, impression that everyone had of me. You are not somebody's dad who is there. But That's we all true. No, Paul gets around. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's he's like an he's like a neighborhood tomcat. He just gets around, you know, litters everywhere. Yeah, leaving babies wherever he goes. That's Paul. <laughs> Except at Mancon, no baby making at Mancon. Well, no baby making. Yes. <laughs> Can't you just imagine, Aaron? There's like a bunch of eight-year-olds running around going figures. Yeah, exactly. Figures. That's, I wish that's, I had one of them new Star Wars figures. <laughs> I'd like to get me a Kylo Ren figure. <laughs> a Kylo Ren figure. I sure wish I knew who my dad was. Well, and they, they all talk like that. Cause they, they all talk like that because they grew up in a trailer park. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> one of them speaks with Paul's British accent, though. He wants to be better. Cheers, mother. <laughs> I'd like one of them. I'd like one of them Kylo Ren action figures. Cheers. <laughs> Oh my God! It's like mini me. <laughs> yeah, well, I can picture I, in my head, Paul. It's wonderful. <laughs> well, if I were to give my 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 children one piece of advice, oh, it would be don't read King's Quest number one from Dynamite this week. Um, so we 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 share our uh, our pull lists with each other on New Comic Book Day each week, and you know when Paul got mine, he's like. Uh, hey, don't forget, uh, you know, King's Quest number one or whatever the book is called. And I'm like, oh no, no, I'm not picking that one up. Uh, I, I don't care for the writing team. And I mean, Paul had already purchased. Paul was already in. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so King's. What was the first series called? King's something. You, you think we would know this? Yes, you'd think because we loved those 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 books. But uh, I didn't. I did not care for the Flash Gordon series when Ben Ackert and uh, his writing partner took over. Uh, that series, it just took a steep nosedive in terms of Correct. quality, in my opinion. And yeah, King's Watch was the first series, King's and Watch, then yes. there was a, and I, and that was either, f- and then there was the Flash Gordon series by Jeff Parker and Doc Shaner, which was amazing, amazing. And King's and King's uh, Watch was fantastic. Um, also written by Jeff Parker, but uh, art by Mark Lamming. Mm-hmm. Now Jeff Parker has gone to DC to work on that uh, future future something wow i am just like not not uh not firing on all cylinders you today. think you went to the whiskey extravaganza yesterday <laughs> <laughs> he's um, not a fully functional alcoholic like you're exactly <laughs> I, 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 exactly no he, he's gone to work on the um one of the hanna-barbera books oh yeah yeah one of the hanna-barbera's books like a fucking kazoo yeah it's future quest isn't it isn't that what that's Fu- called it's a future quest i, I think, think so. so i think it's future quest jesus christ yeah <laughs> we think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Some bullshit. Yeah. It is Future Quest. It's uh, Jeff Parker and Doc Shaner are working on Future Quest. Yeah. And is that so like really the was... Johnny Quest thing? It is. Yes. Holy crap. Okay, continue. You know, you got to get in on that. That's going to be some no, big stuff. It's going to be huge. I do not have to get in on that. It's going to be huge. <laughs> huge. Huge. I'm not, as, I'm not as big a Bandit fan as it's, apparently you guys are. It's going to be so great, you're going to be tired of it being great. It's going to be huge. 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 Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Continue, Paul. So, um, you know, now that – so Jeff Parker's gone, you know, they had these series of King uh, miniseries uh, over, you know, la- late last year, uh, Dynamite did. And so, I mean, mixed results, right? I mean, the, the Flash Gordon series we did not care for. But with King's Quest, you know, they're bringing them back together. So you have the two Phantoms – the, and the Phantom being probably the best of the miniseries. Um, you've got Prince Valiant, you've got Mandrake, you've got Flash Gordon, and you've got Jungle Jim. And so I was really looking forward to this series. Now, I did not care for the Flash Gordon series, but um, it, this is written by Ben Acker and Corson with art by Dan McDade. And to give you a reminder of who both of those people are, Ben Acker hosts a Nerdist podcast called the uh, Nerdist Writers Panel uh, and is – Fairly recently into comics, he uh, uh, probably just a couple of years now. And then Heath Corson is the primary writer on uh, the Justice League animation, uh, the animated features that have been coming out. So he wrote Throne of Atlantis, um, yeah, I believe Titans versus Justice League, and you know the the other Justice League properties. Um, so all that is a long way of me saying that I really don't care for Heath Corson's writing. Because uh, I, I think those the Justice League animated features are not particularly strong, and I d- 
Ben Acker, I experienced his comic book writing on the Flash Gordon book, and I was like, ooh, ooh, no thank you. Which is why I sat this one out. But well, you, know, you were at, smart. At least you had the artwork to carry on. I mean, I, you know, yeah, we're going to go ahead and, and, and acknowledge the fact that you know it was kind of a, a a horrible situation there on the on the writing of this book. But at least the artwork is going to sing off the pages, right? It's, it, it's going to elevate everything, right, Paul? So they fooled me, uh huh. Because they have this beautiful Mark Lamming cover, and then you open the book, and I am unfamiliar with Dan McDade, um, but the art in this book was just terrible. And uh, it's he's kind of got this overly exaggerated style. So it it felt some panels just felt like very 90s ish to me. I put this through the the truth filter, Paul. I am unfamiliar with Dan McDade. And after this book, I will remain unfamiliar (laughs) with Dan McDade. Yeah, I mean, his his art style. I mean, it seems like he was trying to go for a Kirby esque um, style approach, stylistic approach. But it just did not work. I mean, you had characters with, like, huge bulging, bulging torsos and tiny legs and, um, you know, bodies moving and contorting in ways that it's it's just not possible. And and, and here's the thing. It, it, had I read this – no, it still would have been bad because I was going to say – I was going to say had I read it before I read King's Watch, I might have liked it more. But no, no. It's, it's still a bad book. I just had high expectations given how much I love these characters. I was looking forward to seeing, you know, this sequel, I guess, to King's Watch. But in, in general, it just did not work. And I feel like I've missed something as well, because the, the book starts with all the characters together um, crash landing on Arborea. And I don't recall the characters all getting together at any point previously. So I must have missed the end of a miniseries or something like that. Um, and they don't really take an opportunity to summarize what <laughs> previously happened considering this is a number one issue you'd think they would take a moment to, to t- kind of say here's what happened before uh, but they don't they don't at all well it, it just sounds terrible Paul it just sounds terrible and I'm so glad it's you that went into the mine rather than me to be fair yeah it's, it, that is Paul's role is is a chief, chief quality control <laughs> so so I will uh, I will not be picking up any more of the King's Watch books or yeah, King's Quest or whatever the fuck yeah, King's Quest. I will I love those characters and I love the idea of those books, but until they get a different creative team, I'm, I'm I I will not be picking those up. Yeah, they should not have let Jeff Parker go, and maybe it wasn't their choice. Maybe he just wasn't interested. Um, but I, I find it hard to believe that a, he wrote those books so stunningly. Yeah. I find it hard to believe he didn't have a passion for the characters, but maybe well, DC he, just swooped him up. He couldn't. He couldn't pass up the allure of Johnny Fucking Quest. Apparently, God, I can't wait for that Johnny Quest book. I know God Tim is it. being. I know Tim is being derisive, but uh, whew, I can't wait. I cannot wait. I need it in my hands right now. Like what she said. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, a little art house film opened up this week, uh, a little independent feature. You probably haven't heard of it called Captain America Civil War. Hmm. And uh, I uh, – I was, was it playing in your area, the, well, this limited release film? A, a limited release. I think it's only on like five screens, right? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's making its way you know, through the various cinema markets right now. So hopefully it will be open in your area soon. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Maybe if you get a chance. Um. I saw it yesterday. Uh, I believe the two of you saw it yesterday as well. Yes, I did not go to a Thursday night screening. I went to uh, Friday morning. Very good, very good. Um, now, to preface this, uh, Suzanne, my wife, went with me to to uh, uh, go see this movie. She has seen all of the Captain America movies with me in the theater. Uh, she is not a genre person, but, but damn, she likes that Chris Evans. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, and I, I, I'm just going to go ahead and and come out with it. She loved this movie. She absolutely loved this movie. She thought this. She she was super entertained throughout the entire thing. No oh, good. So, I was wondering. I was wondering where this was going because yeah, there, there was. I understand that she, you know, Captain America is her, you know, her favorite. Uh-huh. But this is definitely, you know. Uh, so let's go ahead and preface this. Spoiler warnings on. Um, you know, this is going to be this episode will be released Sunday or Monday uh, after the movie has come out in theaters. So we will be spoiling the film. But uh, I was I w- the the reason I was concerned about where your conversation was going or where your story was going was because this was really kind of like half Captain America, half Avengers movie. Oh, in fact, I think it was it was a Captain America heavy Avengers film. 
and it yes. felt it felt so much like an apology for Age of Ultron. <laughs> you know, because I, there were there were moments of Age of Ultron, even watching it on Blu-ray, that I just completely zone out. I'm bored. I'm not interested in what's going on. You know, there's just a whole lot that doesn't grab me about Age of Ultron. And I mean, this had me from the get-go, and it just never let up. I I, I thought this movie was fantastic, and and I'll just throw that out there right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, be long story short, and we're gonna make it long anyway. I loved it. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I I it. I have often said that Guardians of the Galaxy is my favorite Marvel film. Uh, I I probably am going to have to reassess that because... Oh, Aaron. I know, right? <laughs> I, 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 I got to live with it for a little while before I'll make that claim. But I, I walked out of there just thoroughly happy about what I had seen. Tim, what'd you think? I, I don't know if I'd... It sounds like you guys are giving it an A. I think I'd give it a B. Seriously. B+. Seriously. Okay, so Paul and I love it. Tell me what you didn't like about the film. Tell me what didn't... What didn't uh, uh, well, you know, uh, that fucker made me watch the uh, Doctor Strange trailer for the first time, and that made me sad. <laughs> so right there, it lost half a star. It's like, are you kidding me? You suckered me in this Doctor Strange BS. Now, did you, uh, see, it? Did you see it in IMAX? Uh, no. Paul, did you? See, I did. I did not see it in IMAX 3D, and I am so glad I saw it in IMAX. Um, did you get all the special IMAX, like, hey, we're the Russo brothers? Did you get all that? I didn't get that. Um, I did get – did you see it in IMAX 3D or just regular IMAX? I saw it in IMAX 3D. And that's probably why. I saw it, I did, I saw it in IMAX 2D. Um, but I will say, uh, if you see it in IMAX, the giant superhero fight towards the end of the film is entirely in IMAX. Right. Which is pretty damn awesome because, you know, it stretches to the full extent of the IMAX screen. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Continue. Oh, I, uh, there was a, at one point Juanita turned to me and said, is Michael Bay the director on this film? Because it was like when they were in Lagos, was it? It was shaky cam the entire way. Mm-hmm. It's like, God damn it. Could you just hold still? Everybody's doing really cool things. <laughs> I think that we have Jason Bourne to blame for that one though. <laughs> Ever since the Bourne, uh, whatever the, the first Bourne film came out, pretty much every, action film has that shaky cam thing now god damn it well i mean yeah so i mean those were those were my those were my immediate quibbles i guess i my only my only complaint literally this is truly i think my only complaint about the film was in the opening uh scenario where they're they're you know uh, they're in lagos and they're tracking these guys if you know that the bad guys are going to hit the place, right? You know, you don't, you're not really sure how they're going to hit the place, but if you know that the bad guys are going to hit the place and it's important that they not get away with what the place has, um, why wouldn't you have your, some of your guys there, right? At the place rather than chasing the bad guys to the place. I thought, I thought they explained that, that they weren't, they thought that somebody was going to hit the police station and instead they weren't hitting the police station. Yeah, I think that was that was my impression too. That they were not hitting the location that he thought they were going to hit. Okay. You know, he he identified this garbage truck driving away from the location they were actually looking for. Okay. Well, I didn't catch that, so that was that was the big question I had. So with that clarification, I have no complaints about this film. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I enjoyed everybody in it. I, well, I, I do have I, I do have a complaint. I could have sworn that they told us that the Hulk was going to be in this movie. I think that was a rumor, um, but I, I don't think it was confirmed. I think they just figured there was too much in it already. Well, I I, I practically squealed with delight when Ant-Man turned into Giant-Man. I yeah, thought, that was awesome. I thought those scenes were great. Uh, <laughs> I, I, the, that whole fight scene at the, at the airport was great. I, I loved that. So, and, and I agree. I thought the, the fight sequence at the airport was done... With so much finesse and so many, I mean, it was just a fanboy's delight. Yeah, I mean, all the things that they did there. Oh no, it was cool. It was really cool. I, I think there's one. I think you could make an argument only one superhero really got the short end of the stick in that fight. Spider Man? No, no, <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Like, goddamn, was that the best part of the best part of the movie? Was Spider Man? Spider Man was so much fun. And just the the inappropriate references that Tony Stark makes about his aunt are hysterical. <laughs> yes, I mean, 
Uh, so should I go tell your hot aunt? So leave my aunt alone. <laughs> <laughs> Get a really hot it's, it's, it's a it's an interesting casting choice you know usually we have you know old withered uh lady aunt may but now we've got you know more of an ultimate universe uh you know milf like uh uh aunt may played by marissa tomei and yeah it was really it was really cool and like for a minute there aaron it's like i'm watching it and going is that his like cougar girlfriend? That can't be his aunt. Holy shit, is Scott? Yeah, yeah. Marissa Tomei, she has uh, she has aged well. Good job, Marissa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and the the opening scene with uh, Tony Stark, where he's doing his little holographic projection thing, and so you get to see young Tony Stark, which is like they just cut Robert Downey Jr. out of less than zero. Yeah, the digital effects on that were spooky good. Yeah, they were. I mean, just spooky good. I'm just like, am I watching less than zero? What have they done here? I mean, you know, I expect him to, you know, to blow a guy to pay off his drug debt. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and thus begins the Civil War. It's probably, it's probably not what you put in your MIT speech. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. <laughs> We've all done things we shouldn't have. <laughs> Christ, I did, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit um, I thought so you know I love that scene with you know Ant-Man turning into Giant Man and that's one of the great things that they that they give to us in these Marvel films is that they understand what the fans are looking for and beyond the fact that even if you didn't know you know the relationship between Ant-Man and Giant Man and that uh, Hank Pym who is the original uh, character in the comic uh, you know, is both of those guys, plus he's the Wasp and whatever. But, you know, getting to see that on the screen, it's such a fanboy moment, in, in addition to, I think, just being satisfying for everybody watching things. It's so freaking cool. If they hadn't already uh, announced Ant-Man 2, I would have been a little worried when that happened, well, having read so far. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. No, I did the same thing. I'm like, they, they can't they can't kill him off because, you know, uh, the the giant man in the Civil War comic is, you know, collateral damage and, and dies. And so when Rhodey gets shot down in the air, I'm like, oh, oh, my God, they're killing Rhodey. And, you know, we had seen the, an image of Tony – uh, cradling Rhodey, you know, a, a, a damaged and beaten Rhodey, you know, in the trailers. Uh, but no, they just decided to make him a, a uh, paraplegic. Yeah. I, I sort of wish they would have killed him. I, think, I do too. I, yeah, same here. Uh, I mean, not the, not because I dislike the character. No. Yeah. Even though I, I will say I prefer Terrence Howard to uh, Don Cheadle. Uh-huh. I agree. But for me, it, it just, it would have given the film a little bit more gravit- gravitas. I agreed. Agreed. It would have um, yeah. been, been a little bit more heavy on you know on the stakes you know i i I think that that would have would have given it more emotional weight but that said the movie had plenty of emotional weight and i you know this is a key difference you know essentially batman versus superman and civil war have a lot going on that's similar right not just superheroes but you know in batman versus superman batman sees superman as a threat uh, while, you know, on the surface supposed to be a good guy, they sees him as a terrible threat, we gotta take him out. In Civil War, the uh, the governments of, of the world regard the Avengers as a threat, so they have to be controlled, and if they can't be controlled, they gotta take him out. Tony aligns with that, which is the, the reason why you've got the debate between uh, Iron Man and Captain America. But a key difference is how much you care about these characters, how much you understand their motivations, um, and that you you have that you struggle so much with in Batman versus Superman. And you know, so so you've got this this emotional uh, uh, truth going on in Civil War that you just don't really have over in the Batman versus Superman film. Well there's a yes but. Yes but they've had movies to build this oh no absolutely i mean and, yeah. and batman superman didn't and right. that's why it felt a little flatter but they well, didn't you know? well and, and i think the point that i'm making is that it took us what 10 years to get here since iron since the first iron man movie you know yeah. i mean we we have we have had uh movie after movie after movie you know building this layered cake of the marvel universe whereas dc just kind of you know ran to the frosting you know, they ran to the end. They they didn't take an opportunity for us to care about really any of those characters 
you know, and Man of Steel is not the movie to endear you to Superman. You know, <laughs> it's not the one. Hey, just, Super- just ask Wayne. Yeah, Superman's yeah. my jam. No, that's not going to happen if you see Man of Steel. And if it does, there's probably something intrinsically wrong with you. <laughs> I'm just saying, get help. <laughs> so, can we talk about my favorite part of Civil War? Absolutely. Hit, hit it, Paul. Black Panther. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hell was- yes. Yeah, I, I I loved I loved the costume. I thought you know, I, I think one of the challenges with the Black Panther costume is that. In the comics, it's all black, right? And so you've yeah. got to be able to show definition. I thought the the vibranium highlights, the chrome on the uh, suit was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I'm not even just talking about the, the the character himself. I'm talking about, I mean, his story arc. Uh-huh. I mean, he has a full story arc in this film. He's given a very a, a lot more screen time than the trailer would have you believe. Yeah. Um, you know, you get to know Prince T'Challa. Um, you know, you get to to see him before. He becomes Black Panther and well, well, before he comes out as Black Panther in the film. Anyway. And his whole agenda really pressures the action in the film. You know, yes. you've got so much conflict going on. The conflict's not just coming from the government or just from Tony. It's also coming from T'Challa, you know, the Black Panther and everything else that's going on. So, you know, Captain America and the Winter Soldier are just kind of caught in the center of all of this stuff focused directly on them. I, I thought it was fantastic. I loved watching him fight. I loved, you know, he's he's very much the Marvel Universe Wolverine <laughs> in terms mm-hmm. of, of how feral he is. Uh, I, I dug it. I also dug his little learning moment at the end of the movie. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? I, I, I that was great. I thought it was great. I, he is, and he's got a lot of charisma. I don't know the actor's name who's playing Black Panther, but a lot Chadwick of... Chadwick something or other. Yeah, Chadwick Boseman, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think that's correct. Um, I, I, I thought he was delightful on screen. So I do want to talk – I want to mention something that cracked me up while I'm watching this film. You know, we're talking about these great action sequences and, Tim, you know, a, a little less so because of the shaky cam. But what I loved about Captain America Civil War is that not a damn thing is subtle. Like like they don't just kick open a door. They kick open a door. The door goes flying across the room and busts someone in the head. Oh, right, I mean yeah. like – like they don't just bust a window; they bust every window on the floor. Like uh-huh. there is nothing subtle. I'm watching the, the the scene in Lagos, you know, where they're breaking in to get the um to get the the bio weapon. I mean, they just like kick the door and it goes flying across the room and throw open everything. I mean, there is like just nothing but property damage the entire film. Agreed. And it just cracked me up. Like nothing, nothing can be subtle. <laughs> don't don't break the door down. Right. Break the building down. <laughs> Um, I, but I, I thought all the all the actors did a great job. I mean, Chadwick Boseman was the standout for me, but I thought everyone did great. Well, oh, I, can we just can we just talk about the villain for a sec? That's that's damn near one of the best villains I've seen in the, one of these Zemo? movies. Yeah, well, he, oh yeah, he actually had a real motivation. He had a plan. Uh, you know, I mean, there, there he was, was the hero of his own story, which is exactly what was. you want out of a villain. He was. He made sense, which was nice. Yeah, and at yeah. no point did he exhibit any mind control over anyone. That also he's was just nice. a dude. Yeah, he's just a dude. Yeah, a dude with no powers who could who fucked up the Avengers. You know, I, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, I did. I liked him, though. I got to say, when when he said his name Zemo, I was like, I was like, yeah. he's got to put the he's got to put the hood on. I need the hood. Give me the. Hood. I know, and he never did. I'm like, yeah. damn it. And I was hoping that they would show like because he's looking through old or they're looking through old photos of him, and I'm like, oh, well, maybe we're gonna see one in the hood right now. Well, and I really wanted to hear somebody say, well, you know, he's, you know, German, Austrian royalty or something. He's a baron. But we never heard that either. But no, but I was I was happy that it was Zemo. I was, too. And uh, I I thought he did a good job. And uh, like to to Tim's point, uh, probably one of the most fleshed out villains in the Marvel Universe uh, besides Loki. Uh Completely. One completely. One disappointment for me. Martin Freeman. Who's Martin Freeman? Like. He's uh, Watson from the Sherlock show. Oh yeah, yeah, the yeah. Uh, you know, and and they have him in in the film, and I don't recall his character's name, but he's just kind of like generic military guy, douchebag administrator. That's who yeah. he is. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, I'm like, you got Martin Freeman, so now you have both guys from Sherlock in the Marvel universe, <laughs> and you know, you're like Benedict Cumberbatch, give that guy a movie. Martin Freeman, just make him generic 
Yeah. <laughs> Administrative and, guy. Administrator douchebag. Administrator douchebag. Yeah. I mean, he's such a good actor. I mean, he actor. led the three Hobbit films. I mean, uh, his role just seemed very underutilized. Maybe he'll be in more films and maybe he'll be the next Nick Fury who connects the films or something. But certainly uh, a small role for him in this one. And I know that you have not seen uh, the second season of Fargo. I'm sorry, the first season of Fargo. But he is Correct. just brilliant in it. Just brilliant in it. Yeah, so I mean, uh, hopefully they they will do more with him yeah. as time goes on by. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Spider Man. I thought that the uh, maybe maybe Spider Man's on the screen twenty five minutes in this movie, you know, all together. Yeah, more than you think, though. Yeah, I mean, a, a big part. But, you know, about on the screen, 25 minutes. He is not the primary character of this film by, by any means, but he does get some get some quality screen time where he is the focus of the action. Um, and I got to say, there of the five Spider-Man movies that preceded this film, all produced by Sony, uh, I enjoyed the first Tobey Maguire film. I enjoyed the first... Uh, uh, Gosh, what was it? Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. Andrew, what's his name? Andrew Garfield. Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Yeah, uh, I enjoyed that film. He hates Mondays. Yeah, <laughs> he does hate Mondays. Um, <laughs> uh, I feel that the 25, 30 minutes that that this kid is on the screen beats the hell out of any of those hours of films that preceded him. This is Spider-Man. Marvel so gets this character, gets it beyond anything that has preceded him on the on the screen. I he this was just a tremendous success. You know, Marvel has sat around going, well, if we had our Spider-Man uh, character back, here's what we'd do, and they just shot their goo on this one. Oh, Spider-Man! You know, I mean, it it was it was tremendously satisfying to see Spider-Man in this movie. I thoroughly dug every moment he was on screen. Oh, yeah. And I, the, the the interaction between him and Tony Stark, you know, I always kind of had a problem with that in the original Civil War comic book series. Uh-huh. But that relationship works so well on the screen. You know, I, I enjoyed the original Civil War miniseries written by uh, Mark Miller, art by Steve McNiven. I enjoyed most uh, of it. I didn't Most enjoy of, the ending. The, <laughs> agreed. Yeah. And I didn't enjoy the Spider-Man interaction. Um, yeah. But I think the difference with the Civil War movie versus the Civil War comic is that in the Civil War comic, Spider-Man is in his 30s. Right. You know, he's he's, uh, he's married um, and, you know, he, he's at a different place in his life. So it felt like like Tony Stark, it felt like he would have a stronger will than to, you know, to, to fall under Tony's sway in the, in the series. Um, but in the in this movie – He's a young kid. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when a rich, you know, a, a billionaire uh, genius comes and is sitting in his living room, you can see how the kid would just, like, jump on any opportunity. Right. I, um, I really hope that one of the scenes we see in Amazing Spider-Man is Robert Downey Jr. picking up Aunt May for a date. Yeah. Can we can we write that in now? <laughs> <laughs> I need that. <laughs> the interaction between those two actors was just fantastic. Um, I and, I and I love that it makes so much sense that Tony provides him this costume. In the comic, they, he gave him, what, the Iron Spider? Correct. Yeah. Um, in uh, this, it just makes sense that he's, he's, giving, he's given him a, uh, a suit that works for him. And the eyes make sense, right? You know, mm-hmm. that, that's technology. That's not his costume. I mean, it just, yeah. ah, I, was, I thought it was great. I thought it was great. And I, the, 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 the scripting of the Spider-Man dialogue during the fights was, was just pitch perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that, that just sounds exactly like the best Spider-Man writing you've read in a comic book. So the there were – I'm trying to think of how many things there were after the end of the movie. There were – There were two. Yeah. There were two. So uh. Uh, we had a – and neither one of them featured Thanos. <laughs> which was a little surprising given what we saw at the end of Age of Ultron. Yeah, I feel like, you know, we we were building up to this um we're building up to this Infinity War, Infinity Gauntlet film. Right. Uh but it, I I think that maybe they just said, "You know what? 
we'll just do it in the first movie since it's a two-part movie. Right. Because there's really not been enough buildup. I still don't know how he's going to get all the gems and all that stuff. And maybe they're just saving all that for that film because I don't see a place for it in the next couple of Marvel movies. Well, I'm a little worried about Vision. <laughs> Considering one stitch to his head, yeah, yeah that, so, that well, could be a problem for that dude. I see bad things. And let me just yeah. add, uh, I really enjoyed the vision in this film. Me too. Uh, you know, he was kind of the highlight of Age of Ultron. You know, he had some of the best lines in that movie, or, or was in some of the the best humorous scenes. Uh, I loved watching him walk around in his uh, sweater. <laughs> <laughs> that cracked me up. Yeah. Uh, and and I it was enjoying the relationship that was brewing between him and Scarlet Witch, and I couldn't stand Scarlet Witch in Age of Ultron. I rather enjoyed her in this film. Yes, I agree. I think they – I mean I don't mean to bash Age of Ultron because um, you know, it, it, it's very easy to, to say that you love something when it comes out and then bash on it later. That's what everyone seems to do. Right. Um, I think uh, – this was certainly more successful than Age of Ultron, and I just don't enjoy watching Age of Ultron. No, because there, there's there are a lot of problems with Age of Ultron. Um, yeah, you know, and and to the point that that uh, Tim made earlier, you know, we've got a real villain in this film, and you really don't in Age of Ultron. You know, uh, Ultron emerges from the womb just twirling his mustache, and you know, rah, rah, I'm gonna gonna blow up everything. Rah, rah, and you really don't really understand his motivation. Um, whereas this guy, you get what he's after. You understand why he's doing it. And it's, he, you know, he doesn't have any superpowers and yet he's the guy who, you know, completely disassembles the Avengers. It, you know, we, we mentioned the similarities to Batman versus Superman. Uh-huh. I mean, pretty strong similarities yes. in, 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 in regards to, I mean, this character non-powered, but, you know, basically defeats the, the heroes with his mind, right. much like in uh, Batman versus Superman with Lex Luthor. Just more effective in this film, I feel. And I liked Batman versus Superman very much, but I enjoyed this a lot more. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't know if we want to get into it just yet, but uh, I I was cheering for Tony Stark at the end. Oh, well, so, oh, yeah, let's talk about the end. Um, <laughs> so it's revealed at the end. Uh, and we, oh, we already we, <laughs> Spoiler! killed Tony Stark's parents, I believe, um, back up, up until now. He, Paul, back yes. up. You cut out there for a sec. Oh, so start with your synopsis. Okay. It's revealed at the end of the film that Tony Stark's parents were murdered by the Winter Soldier. And, uh, you know, I, I think Tony Stark up until this point thought they just died in a car accident. I don't think he ever believed. I don't think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think he thought they were murdered. Right, right. They they drove off fair. in the car, and then the Winter Soldier, under the control of Hydra at the time, murders his parents. And rather terribly. I mean, hauls Howard oh, yeah. Stark out of the car, you know, murders him up really good, and then walks around to the other side of the car while, you know, uh, his mom <laughs> is, honey, honey, and then, you know, murders his mom. And, and there's that, that moment where Tony says... He killed my mom. Uh, and I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, know? it's like, oh, Mother's Day weekend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> Steve, is, Steve is like he was in control. And it's like, Howard Town is like, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. Like, kick his ass. Well, and the fact that. Oh, Cap- it's for him so it was hard. I so hoped Sebastian Stan was going to die. I was like, do it. <laughs> the fact that Cap knew is pretty terrible. That's that's un that's that's patently unforgivable. Yeah, that's right. Seriously. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of thing. Like, okay, man, I got some, I have some distressing news for you. <laughs> you know, and I, I don't yeah. I don't want I don't want you to get your Hulkbuster armor out, but you know, here's here's what I know. You know, and I mean, oh, oh, cap, cap. Yeah. Well, you and know and so that that surprised me. Did we know he knew? No. Or was that just okay? Yeah. I'm like, because oh, I was watching, and I'm like, did we know this? Did I miss something? Yeah. One of you was asking me, it's like, how did he know? It's like, the only thing I could say was, well, he was part of S.H.I.E.L.D. more than Tony was. I, that's the only thing I got. I, that's that's my thought as well, is that yeah. you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. and the, the intelligence agencies have probably decrypted a lot of that Hydra data that Black Widow dumped out on the internets. And Tony probably just didn't pay any attention to any of that stuff. And so he wasn't you know actively decrypting. It, it would be yeah, my I mean, thought. Yeah, I mean, ultimately unimportant, it just, but it did take me out of the moment for a second to think, well, maybe I missed something. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, the, the motives between uh, Cap and, and uh, Iron Man, you know, both of them have opposing point of views in this film, 
are really valid. I mean, you you can side on on either either place. You know, I was really curious as to how they were going to handle the inciting incident. So in the in the comic, you know, it's uh, Stanford, Connecticut gets blown up when the New Warriors are shooting their uh, uh, reality show. reality show, and you know, that due to their inexperience and cockiness, wind up you know blowing up a school. So in this film, it's the Lagos thing that goes wrong. It's the you know, opening scene of the film, and Crossbones is trying to blow up Captain America, you know, and take him, you know, using a suicide bomb. And uh, Wanda, the Scarlet Witch, throws him up in the air, but throws him the wrong way and throws him against a building and knocks out a couple of floors of this building, killing uh, a number of innocent people, including the uh, eight-person delegation from Wakanda. Uh, who is there on a, on a peace mission? So you know that's the inciting incident. So you know Marvel Cinematic Universe stepped it back so that we're not killing you know a bunch of school age children because <laughs> maybe that's not so much fun and uh, uh, made it uh, you know killing people who are you know college age or older um, because those lives are less precious apparently. It's more it's more fun. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I thought that was handled really well, and it, you know I really liked you know this movie really responds to the destruction and devastation that occurred in the earlier movies. Um, you know you've got the what, what we refer to as the New York incident from the first Avengers movie. You've got uh, Sokovia dropping, you know, and so they're they're building on these disasters that have occurred before, and yeah. I think the Avengers are totally responsible for what happened to Sokovia because Tony Stark created Ultron. Dumb motherfucker. Um, you can't blame New York on the Avengers. If the if the Avengers weren't there, New York and the rest of the world would have been screwed. And that would have been the case that I would have made to General Ross. So would you have rather us stayed home? <laughs> you know, we didn't start to think, yeah, Sokovia was our bad. We'll completely take responsibility for that. But should we have stayed home? Is that what you would have preferred? We didn't start the fire. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, it's it's Aaron in one of his meetings as an Avenger. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to point out your bullshit. <laughs> exactly. Might I add? I did enjoy William Hurt as General Ross. Yeah, I, I mean, and he was General Ross in in Ed Norton's Hulk movie. Yeah, and I I loved him there too. Uh, he was not the problem with that film. The CG was the problem in that film. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, I, I, I dug him coming over, and it just upset me that we didn't have any Hulk to layer on top of that. But hopefully, hopefully we'll get some some General Ross Hulk action uh, coming up. Yeah, I mean, if I remember correctly, they said Hulk would be in the Thor movie. Maybe that's Thor. what I heard. Yeah, yeah I, I, I believe. Supposed, I think he's supposed to be in the Ragnarok film. Yeah, yeah. That would that would make sense considering they they specifically called both of them out for not being there. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, in in retrospect, I don't know that I can recommend the Civil War comic to a new reader because I think this film is so much stronger than that than that book. I don't get me wrong. I enjoy Civil War. It's got its problems. Uh, not not the least of which is the end of it. Um, but this movie is so much stronger than the source material. Although, in fairness, I can't recommend this movie if you haven't seen any of the other ones either. Yeah, very much informed by at least the Avengers film. Well, you'd have to see the Avengers and the Captain America films. Yeah. At least, at a minimum, those four movies. And and even though I don't like Age of Ultron, it's kind of important for this. Yeah. So, Captain America, Civil War, I loved it. I recommend seeing it in IMAX. I, yeah, I, I have to say I saw it in IMAX 3D, which is not my preference. I'd rather just see it in straight IMAX. Uh, but the 3D was good on this film. Hmm, okay. I, uh, I, it, 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 uh, I, I usually complain about seeing movies in IMAX 3D because I feel like it makes the film darker. And you don't, yeah. get, you don't get as much pop, but I did not experience that in this film at all. Whereas hmm. uh, uh, Batman vs. Superman was just a big dark mess on the screen in IMAX 3D. <laughs> That's probably the nicest thing you've said. (laughs) So, no, I I, I dug it. I probably won't see it in theaters again, but I will own this one on Blu-ray. And, oh, by the way, Deadpool's out on Blu-ray this week, Paul. Oh, is it? I will have to pick it up. I have not seen it yet. Uh, I didn't see it in the theaters, uh, so I will be seeing it for the first time this week. 
All right, so we'll let you chat about it next oh. weekend. So, Paul, what's coming out? What's coming out next week? Uh, so next week from DC Comics, we're getting final issues of the um, the new Fifty Two, uh, Action Comics number Fifty Two, Batman number Fifty Two come out. Um, a couple of other titles have their final issues before we head into June's rebirth and relaunch of the DC universe. So. Looking forward to to the next chapters or the final chapters, I guess, of the, this uh, this universe of Superman and things like that. Uh, from Marvel Comics, we have uh, the second issue of Black Panther. Tim and I talked about the first issue um, previously, and while we enjoyed it, uh, the fact that it was five dollars uh, for a non oversized book was a, a little hard to swallow. The second issue is back to three ninety nine, um, and I'm still on the fence. I you know I, I enjoyed the first issue. I will probably pick up the second issue. Uh, we also get new issues of Darth Vader and a couple of other titles. So um, kind of a slower week next week, but we will talk about uh, Aaron's Deadpool experience. And we may have some uh, free comics to talk about because uh, today, as we record, is free comic book day. So uh, hopefully we'll have a couple of those to talk about next week as well. Absolutely. All right, guys. Go see Civil War. Absolutely. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.